Are you guys ready for another profile of a king? So we're going through our paper king series. You know, we're calling them paper kings because they're real kings, but they're also kind of flimsy, you know, prone to being bent, reshapen. Um, uh, Nathan Crimacino, I don't know if you know, uh, he creates the graphics for every, every single sermon series. And he actually propose that perhaps we have the paper king on fire, like the crown, you know, because it's like it won't hold up in the fires, you know, and so we're, we're all learning that these kings, even the good ones, we're highlighting six good ones, two bad ones, uh, the ultimate king, we actually need a real king, a solid king, a true king, we need Jesus, that's what this whole series is setting up, but Jehoshaphat is one of the good kings, uh, one of probably the top kings, you know, listed, uh, yeah, there, there's some stories that uh, are more negative, but overall, this is a guy you want to model your life after. Uh, for each one of these kings, I'm asking you to read through the stories. Uh, there's uh, portions in First and Second Kings, and then also in Second Chronicles that tell the stories of their lives. Read them all, and then come up with a word that either summarizes the king's reign or stands out to you, or in some way you want to highlight for that king, and then we share them on Sunday morning, because there's way more about all these kings than we have time to really get into and study on a Sunday. So I'm hoping you guys are going to do some work and then have an opportunity in your discussion groups or in community groups to be able to talk further about, well, this stood out to me. Well, what about this? What did you think here? Um, so let's, let's do it for this week for Jehoshaphat. If you have a word that summarizes or stood out to you, what word do you have for this week? Okay, faithful. I heard like murmuring. What was the other word? Jumping Jehoshaphat. That's, okay, yep, I guess. <laughs> All right, what else? Any, courageous. God-fearer. Humble, nice. Man, finally. There, hey, yeah, right, right. Anything else? Like, I mean, these are great words, right? Like, these are on your gravestone, you know? Like, this is how you're remembered by? Like, Jehoshaphat. If you didn't read it, you're going to be excited to go through it today. This guy's a good guy. Also, if you need to know the passages, beyondchurch.live slash study dash guide. Uh, that's where we've got everything listed. Or you can fill out that little connect card that Ron was saying, and we will send you an email every Friday, and there will be a reminder of what your homework is for that Sunday. So you can do it last minute if you need. All right, all right. Uh, my word for Jehoshaphat uh, is battle. And I wanted to have more words, and so I just wrote a whole sermon. But when I had to pick a single word, uh, I picked battle because in a couple different battles, I think the character of Jehoshaphat and what we can learn most from him, him comes to the forefront, um, kind of rises to the top, and we can study how he handled his battles, and then we can learn how we are supposed to handle our battles. Uh, and on that front, I just want to make a note how strange it is or interesting it is that Christians tend to talk about their faith uh, through militaristic terminology. You know what I'm saying? You know, like there's, there's songs like, this is how I fight my battles, you know? You know, and the battle belongs to the Lord. Or you don't just have a prayer team, you have prayer warriors, you know? And 10 years ago, there was that movie, Christian movie, about prayer called War Room. You know, and you go to any men's retreat, and it's all about fighting the good fight, or, you know, fighting your battles in the Lord, or being a man and, you know, fighting, you know, what's in front of you, and it just feels like, okay, I, wow, this is a lot, you know, and <laughs> I don't, like, what's our obsession, right, with having there be a fight when we're meant to be Christians, which are supposed to be blessed are the peacemakers, you know, Jesus said that, right, you know, and so there's a little bit of this 
What, what does this mean? Um, We'll get into it later, uh, but, but you know and I know that there's passages in the Bible that do talk about us having an enemy, you know, the, the Satan, a spiritual enemy, not physical enemies. I hope none of us, uh, you know, we talk about this Israeli, this, this Gaza conflict. I hope none of us are actually facing war in our lives, um, but there's a lot of things that we feel like this is significant. This is going to require my focus. This is going to require kind of a wartime mentality to get through this with my faith. We're going to study how Jehoshaphat handled his battles, and we're going to learn how can I handle my battles, or, or how does God want me to approach my battles. And within that, we'll talk about which battles are the battles we're supposed to be thinking of as battles. <laughs> you know, like where does this actually apply in our life? Uh, but you'll find Jehoshaphat has the best Bible battle plan. Like, it's the best. I know he might not be the first place you go to. You, you've got your favorite verses that you go to to give you strength to get through your tough times, but I'm telling you, don't sleep on jumping Jehoshaphat. He has the best battle plan in the Bible, and we'll read that uh, this morning. Also, I have to uh, make another confession. I actually wrote two sermons. Um, I didn't know that until last night, and I was going through it, and I'm like looking at the time and like how long this is going through, and I'm like, okay, we're, we're gonna need to, we're going to need to chop this thing in half. So the part that I chopped in half was the negative story about Jehoshaphat. That's in chapter 18. Fantastic story. It's got uh, drama, villains, good guys. There's the uh, human aspect, the spiritual aspect, a lot of fun stuff. Let me just give you the summary because it starts with the, the negative story first on Jehoshaphat. It ends with the positive story. It's the reverse of Asa, his father. Uh, Jehoshaphat, you know, in, in 17 is where it all starts. I'm in 2 Chronicles, sorry. There's, there's also associated passages in Kings. We're sticking in Chronicles. Uh, it gives just a little bit more detail, like I said last week. Uh, but in chapter 17, we see Jehoshaphat, good guy, doing good things. He has this massive army, but he has officials going out throughout the nation to teach the law and help them obey it. Like, you see that his heart is good. God has blessed him with wealth and honor. Other nations are uh, fearing him. Uh, they have reverence and respect for him. Uh, and then chapter 18 starts off with this, this loaded line. And if that was the sermon we were preaching, I'd talk about it more. Uh, but I'll talk about it a little bit. Where it says that he entered into an alliance with King Ahab in Israel. And you're like, cool, all right, next. No, 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 no. This was the same Israel that his dad was at war with. This is the same Israel that split away from the south, that refuses to be reunited, that refuses to worship at Jerusalem where God said this is where you worship. They refuse to worship God alone. And so you're like, well, why are you, how'd, how'd that work out, right? And then there's the fact that it's King Ahab, right? And if you've read the accounts in the Kings, you know King Ahab is not a good dude. He plays the bad guy in all the stories about the famous prophet Elijah, you know, where there's the big showdown on Mount Carmel. Well, Ahab's the bad king. He's the one that wants to worship not God, you know? And so, well, hold on. How are you? You guys are tight. You know, like, what, what did this work out? And then there's the whole thing of alliances in general. God does not like alliances. Why? Because his people are supposed to rely on him alone. So anytime you make an alliance with another country, you're essentially saying, like, let me hedge my bets, right? Like, oh, I trust God, but also, hey, but if I'm in trouble, you'll, you'll, come, you'll come get me, right? And so all of that in the first verse, right? And so then the rest of the sermon talks about how that plays out. And uh, King Ahab actually invites Jehoshaphat to go to war with him and says, well, here, why don't, why don't we go to war for this, the same enemy, Jehoshaphat's like, yes, that's cool, wait, let's ask God, what does he think about this? And Ahab's like, cool, I'll bring all the prophets, his prophets come in, and they're like, oh, absolutely, yeah, you guys are going to totally dominate them, you're going to win the war, go for it. And Jehoshaphat, this is the kind of integrity he has, he's like, ah, 
is there any prophet of the Lord we could inquire? <laughs> you know, it's like, I understand you've got your little court prophets and they'll say whatever you want them to say. I'd be more comfortable if we heard from a prophet of the Lord. And so they find Micaiah, Ahab's complaining the whole time. He's like, that guy never says anything good about me. Well, what would you think if a real prophet of the Lord would say about the bad king Ahab? You know, I was like, well, it's because you're not following the right thing. Anyway, he comes, they drag out of him, like, tell us the truth, Micaiah. Micaiah's like, okay. Really, you're going to get dominated. You're going to be defeated. Your whole nation will be scattered by the way you're going to die, right? And then uh, there's this big, big showdown between the prophets and Micaiah, drama in the courtroom, you know, slapping each other. And ultimately, Micaiah, the prophet of the Lord, gets thrown into prison, which seems like kind of the number one option if you're a bad king and you don't like what the prophet's saying. You just go ahead and shut him up. Uh, that's what Asa did. That's what King Ahab does here. All that to say, Jehoshaphat shows tremendous courage, he shows tremendous convictions. He's at somewhere else, right? He, he risks offending his host, being uncomfortable, making them uncomfortable by saying, I seek the Lord only, right? Like, you can do whatever you want. You might think that's good enough for you, but I won't compromise, right? I want to hear the word of the Lord. And, and like, look at what happens. Like, the word of the Lord brings life, right? The false words from the prophets are like, yeah, absolutely, go into it. But the true word of the Lord says, no, if you go, you'll die. Like, if we listen to the word of the Lord... We will avert death. We will find life. This is what we've seen through the entire Bible that we've been studying up to this point. And then you read um, 2 Chronicles 18, 28. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. The king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will enter the battle in disguise, but you wear your royal robes. So the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. You're like, Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat. You went through all all of that trouble just to hear the word of the Lord, and then he just decided to go through with it anyway? You know, like there's massive questions in this whole story where he, it's like he had already decided, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to partner with him. Don't worry, he's cool. Like we, we've worked out our differences, and now we're going to fight together. God says, wait, no, bad idea. Eh, I have an idea. I'll disguise myself. It's like, oh, I mean, there's a whole sermon here, literally a whole sermon, but how many times do we know what God wants us to do, and instead of following it, we just change the way we do our own thing, right? You're like, well, I know that that's wrong, so I'll just do it in uh, this way a little bit, because it's, it's like a little bit, maybe God will be tricked into thinking that I'm actually following him. It doesn't work out. Ahab dies. This is how Ahab dies. Jehoshaphat narrowly escapes with his life. Like he almost, like they're, they're like, there's the king. Wait, that's not him. Okay. You know, you know, like his heart's like beating in his chest. So he comes back. A prophet of the Lord comes to him and says, that's no good. You allied yourself with Ahab. That's not what, what I want to see. You know, so that's his, that's his negative. That's his, his, his flaw. So I don't know whether it's he's too much of a peacemaker, right? He's too willing to enter into people that are opposed to God. We don't, we don't see too much behind the scenes of what was wrong, but we know that that was wrong. He listened, he sought the Lord's word, uh, but then he didn't obey it, right? He didn't follow through. And so the key point that we have to have as kind of the prequel to what we're going to read today is that we have to follow the Lord, no compromise, you know, but, but actual, actual follow, <laughs> you know, it's, it's not good enough to show up to church, to read your Bible, to do the Bible studies, to pray, to be in community groups, all those things are great, but you actually have to follow him and you can't allow yourself to compromise to justify, well, I'm you know, I'm, I'm on my way, or I'm doing a little bit. It's like, no, 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 no. Follow him or don't, and, and follow him. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's, there's one or the other option, but choose, choose him. Choose life, choose God. Follow him, no compromise. That's what we see. The, the next story in, in chapter 19, uh, we see Jehoshaphat actually 
uh, revitalizing and, and setting up a judicial system that's strong. Why? In order that the people would know and would follow God's law. So as opposed to Asa, when he's called out, hey, you know, and he starts getting defensive, throws the prophet into jail, uh, we see Jehoshaphat rather says, ah, this is good. This is the way. You know what? Let me lead the people to do the same thing that I should have done and that I want to do with my life. Follow God and be in line with him. Great guy. And then he gets another chance in chapter 20. That's, that's the other thing. You know, you might make a mistake. You might have justified yourself or weaseled your way around God's law, but he's still there. He's still present. And if you want to be humble before him, he will listen to you. We're going to be reading from chapter 20 this morning. Um, do we get through the whole thing? We do not get through the whole thing. But we will read uh, quite a bit. This is the battle that I think Jehoshaphat puts forth the best battle plan in the Bible. So we're going to read it together um, and see uh, what that is for us. So after this, this is verse 1. Good, we got it. After this, the Moabites and Ammonites and some of the Meonites came to wage war against Jehoshaphat. Some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the Dead Sea. It is already in Hazazan Tamar, that is, in Gedi. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. All right, so we already know from previous kings what you're supposed to do when an army's coming against you. Rehoboam, Asa, the past two weeks had this happen. The right response is humility. Humble yourself before the Lord. Rely on God for his strength and let him fight for you. Jehoshaphat takes that exact route. You know, oh no, that is really close. <laughs> you know, it's like, how did our intelligence miss this, right? And so what does he do? Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord and proclaimed a fast for all Judah. And then everyone comes together and they seek the Lord. Then verse 5, then Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard and said, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the, over, over all the, kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword or judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. But now, here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of, of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. This prayer right here is a prayer that we need to read, to practice, and to remember. This is the type of prayer that we enter into our battles with. This is the response. Uh, we get the detailed view of what it looks like to actually humble themselves before God. So we're going to do something a little bit different this morning uh, and actually practice praying this prayer. I'm going to set it all up for you so that it's easy. Because here, here's the thing, here's the thing. When we pray with each other and we turn to your neighbor and say some prayers or join little groups and pray together, um, 
it can be intimidating because everyone prays a little bit differently, right? And there's some people who can really pray in our church, right? And I don't know about you, but when someone's really praying, you're like, oh, man, like, what am I going to say? You know, and so you got to, like, have the whole thing scripted and try to say, I didn't say it right, you know? Look, we only know how to pray based on what we're hearing other people pray, right? Other pastors as they pray or our parents or some other respected Christian mentor in our life. This is how you pray. And so we hear it and then we, we pray. Let's let ourselves be influenced, be shaped how to pray by God's word itself, right? Let's, let's practice different prayers in the Bible so that in every situation we can have some sort of rock foundation to stand on, not just my own thoughts or what someone else thinks is a good prayer, but rather how we see prayer modeled to us, how God wants to reveal how prayer should be modeled to us. So we're going to practice praying this prayer. Uh, so all you, need to, all you need to do right now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step you through it so that we can really see what's going on in this prayer. But all you need to do is think about what thing do I want to pray to God about? What, what's, what's the big thing? It's hopefully not an army coming to attack you. But what thing in your life would you want prayer for? Let's look at this prayer and let's learn Jehoshaphat's prayer. All right, here's how he starts. Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? couple things. He starts out with who God is, right? Like, they, like why am I coming before you? Well, because you're the God of the heavens, you're in control of everything. Power and might are in your hand, right? And then, and so that's you, your character, general over all things, all time. And then he brings it one step closer. You have done these things for us, right? It's again about God, right? It's about his character, but then it's about his faithfulness. You are doing this. Therefore, I'm coming before you, right? Next step after that. They have lived in it. This is talking about God's people. This is his ancestors, They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before the temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress and you will hear us and save us. What these two verses are saying is our faith in you. So it's they had built this temple. He's echoing the prayer that Solomon gave. So again, if we've been reading through this whole book, um, and I think it's like 1 Kings 8, you know, and we see that when Solomon dedicates the temple, he prays to God and he asks God, can this place be where you dwell? And so if something were to happen, we could come here, we could seek you and we could find you. You would respond to us. That's what Jehoshaphat is doing. He's, he's following through. That's the prayer, Solomon's prayer, is, is the, the preface that causes God to respond and say, you remember that promise I made to your father David? I'm renewing it to you. If you remain faithful, I will ensure that your descendants are always on the throne. I will be faithful to you. That's the prayer that Jehoshaphat is echoing, right? Is this very uh, pure, humble prayer to God to have his presence in times of need. So that's the application for us. But we see he's, these first few verses, I think we're in four verses into the, the prayer by this point. He's saying, why am I praying? He starts out with God's character, who God is, God's faithfulness, how you've acted, how you've responded to us, then our faithfulness and why we believe that you will respond. Let me just say, when we have prayer requests to God, normally we also start with why I'm praying to you. And we start with the situation. 
Lord, help me with this. You know, here's the thing. It took him five verses before Jehoshaphat gets there. Do you want to know why? To Jehoshaphat, there's something more important than defeating this army. It's finding God. It's being connected with him. And so you, Lord, are this. You've done this. We've done this. Okay, now, here, let, me, let me tell you the situation. But now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Again, he's laying out facts only. Uh, Jehoshaphat is saying, here's the situation. He says, here's the injustice of it all because we actually were obeying you and not destroying them. And now they're coming to destroy us. And then he finally makes his request. And it looks like this. Our God, will you not judge them? Ooh, I love this. He asks whether God will act. When I pray, I tell God what to do. <laughs> you know, like it's a little, little bit different posture, right? Where Jehoshaphat says, here's, here's who you are. Here's what you've done. Here's my faith in you. Here's the situation. Will you not act? right? Will you not judge them? Because it seems that's the right, the right method. Oftentimes when I pray, I say, here's the situation. Please do this for me. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd like to get that job. You know, can I get a little bit more money? Can this relationship be restored? Can you make this person like me? Can you um, grant me forgiveness from them? Can you grant me favor in their eyes? It's a, to me, it shows a posture that says, I'm very focused on this thing in front of me, and I want it to be resolved, right? Can you heal me? You know, whereas Jehoshaphat is saying, I have a situation that I don't know what to do. May you be present in it. May you come. Will you come? <laughs> you know, it's, it's very much open-handed, right? Like Jehoshaphat never even asks, can you defeat this army for me? Or can you defend the nation for me? Or can you make sure that my throne is established for like longer than two more days? You know, like there's nothing in there that is actually asking for God to do the thing that you know he wants him to do. Instead, his eyes on God. He ends with that humble line, famous line. For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are on you. What incredible humility, right? Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine the president of the United States? We're about to get invaded. There's armies at our borders. The president has a, a nightly news flash, breaking, you know, press conference. He says, I have no clue what to do. You know, like, I am completely lost, right? Like, that's what Jehoshaphat says. It's like, no, you're the king. Like, we're, we need you right now. Like, like, we're about to be exterminated as a nation. And you're saying, well, I don't know, you know? No, no, no. But it's all within context of saying what God does. And that's where we stand. That's our anchor, right? It's not in our own power. Jehoshaphat, if we were, look, if we would have read, if we would have done, let me four sermons, right, in 17, he had over a million, almost 1.5 million troops, almost double Asa's army. He had troops. And he says, no, 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 I, I can't. I can't take this, this on. I cannot defend myself. Lord, this is on you. He's learned, right? The first, in, in chapter 18, he said, yes, I'm going to war. By the way, what do you say, God? This, this time he's saying, no, I'm not going to war yet. What do you say, God? Oh, I love it. This is our prayer. So I want us to practice this, this posture. And maybe, maybe it's going to be uncomfortable for you, but it's probably going to be uncomfortable for all of us because my guess is you probably don't pray as Jehoshaphat prays in your daily life. Um, 
we're going to take, take time, like a break, and here's, here's how we'll pray together. First, we'll say, Lord, you are the God of the heavens with power and might in your hands. Like, like that's how we'll start, right? So it's like popcorn prayer. Anyone can say anything. You know someone's about to pray because they'll say, Lord, you are the God of the heavens with power and might in your hands, a declaration of who he is. Then you tell God the situation. Facts only. Here's, here's what's going on. And then you ask if God will act. Lord, will you do something? Will you provide this? And then end with that posture of humility. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. And then you're done. And then let someone else, Lord, you are the God of the heavens with power and might in your hands. Blah, 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 blah. Will you act? I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. We'll do that. So if you gather in groups of like five or six, these prayers will take 20 seconds, 30 seconds. You know, you don't have to be flowery. Jehoshaphat isn't flowery. Yeah, he cuts out all of the, the, the cool, good, good sounding prayers, you know, that we're good at. Um, keep it simple. Keep it straight to the point. You are, this is you, God. This is why my faith is in you. Here's what I'm seeing. Here's what I'm experiencing. Will you not act? I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. We're going to take four or five minutes and then I'll come back up and we'll finish the story and see how it ends. But turn to your neighbors and just say, okay, let's pray. And, and, and again, try, try, okay, let's pray, right? You don't have to talk. You don't have to, like, we'll do discussion at the end. This, I want to give everyone a chance to practice. Because when we read the Bible, I don't want us to just hear about it. Say, that's great. Let's practice it. And let's try to remember it. Let's try to memorize it so that this can actually be useful in our life. All right, take four minutes. Turn to your neighbors and practice this prayer. Lord, you are the God of the heavens with power and might in your hands. You've heard all our requests before you. You've heard all the requests that we've held back from everyone else. We ask that you would show up and that you would act. We don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. Amen. Let that be the start of our prayer life. Let that be the start of our community together. We'll have time in discussion groups and in community groups. This prayer is useful. <laughs> this isn't just cool knowledge. That's a good Bible verse to memorize. This prayer will help you. You know, they're um, reading in commentaries. I learned uh, the reformers, you know, of the 15th, 16th century uh, modeled lots of prayer books and hymns after 2 Chronicles chapter 20. So just remember that if you have your backs against the wall, you have something to come, pray this. Pray this. You, God, this is what you've done. Here's why my face in you. Here's the situation. Will you not act? I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you. All right, we're going to keep reading and figure out uh, how this goes. All right, let's jump to the next, next bit. Verse 13, all the men of Judah with their wives and children and little ones stood there before the Lord. I have to make a comment about this. If I'm writing the, the, the story of the Bible about what happens, I would skip from when they, they prayed the prayer to when God answered them. And yet the author of the Bible here, the chronicler, says, no, it's actually important to know that they waited. There was a pause. There was all of them, men, women, children, standing there. We don't know what to do. Our eyes are on you. Right? Like, for me, I'm action-oriented. Well, what did he tell you? What did, they, what, what did they have to do? Okay, now let's go do that. No, no, no. The important part is not getting the thing done, not defeating the army, not finding the solution, not receiving the answer to prayer. The important part is God's response, being connected to him, 
hearing him, receiving him. Verse 14, then the spirit of the Lord came on Jehaziel, son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite, and descendant of Asaph, as he stood in the assembly. He said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. Woo, let's go. Jehaziel, my man, right, you know? Okay, and now again, if this is me leading, I'd be like, well, you heard the man. Let's get back to our tents. Let's make sure we get our provisions. We're all marching tomorrow. We're going to see God. Let's go, right? That is not what Jehoshaphat does. Why? Because he's not primarily concerned about defeating the enemy and getting things done. What's he most concerned about? God, his presence, his response, he is here. And so what do they do? Love it. Jehoshaphat bowed down with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. Then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with the very loud voice. Look, look, look. God hasn't done anything. The army's still there. <laughs> like their lives are still in balance here. And yet they say, no, the Lord has come. He is here. He has responded. We praise him. We worship him. Love it. Love it. What a posture. Early in the morning, they left for the desert of Tekoa. As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Here's his pump-up speech, right? Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. As they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. As they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir who were invading Judah and they were defeated. The Ammonites and Moabites rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. After they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder that it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the valley of Barakah, where they praised the Lord. This is why it is called the valley of Barakah to this day. The note down there at the bottom says Barakah means praise. Then, led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem. For the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lyres and trumpets. The fear of God came on all the surrounding kingdoms when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemies of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. Woo! Right? <laughs> like, yes! That, this, and this is presented as the quintessential holy war, where God goes before the army. The army uh, leads with praise and worship. It starts 
with just prayer and just humility before God. They trust in him. God wins the victory. They get the spoils of war. Everyone reveres them, fears them. They have peace. This is what it's supposed to look like. This, to me, is the best battle plan in the Bible. This is the one that we're supposed to apply to our lives. And I said at the beginning, how do we know which one to apply it? You have things in your head. We prayed them. We practiced praying the prayer of Jehoshaphat at the beginning. Uh, you might have different ones in your head that you're like, yeah, I'm not going to share that one. <laughs> you know, but you know what's going on in your life. You know the battle that you're facing. Uh, but I, I also want to just point out Jehoshaphat was not entering this war because he wanted something, right? You know, again, sometimes, uh, Lord, may I really have this, <laughs> you know? Uh, or this wasn't a small conflict that he needed resolved. Uh, his, his life was in danger. You know, the, the people that he was leading was threatened to be destroyed, extinguished, gone. You know, and, and so, again, ho hopefully none of us are in that exact position, Right? And sometimes it can feel like everything is in that position. Uh, at the beginning, you know, we talk about being in a spiritual battle, talk about spiritual warfare. The Bible is clear, not in the Old Testament, but in the New, that we do have an enemy that wants to destroy us. Jesus in John 10.10 10 says that the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Peter says it in 1 Peter 5.8. That the enemy wants to devour us, right? Paul reminds us in Ephesians 6 that our battle is not against flesh and blood, right? But against rulers and principalities. It's in the spiritual realm. It's clear that we have someone who wants to remove us, to cut the cord between us and God, our lifeline. Because if he can isolate us from God, then we grow weaker and weaker and we can get snuffed out. Like Jehoshaphat. That, that's the enemy we all have that actually wants to destroy us, right? So, so yes, we have important things. We have physical illness and ailments that are difficult, that are painful, and that God cares about. We have relational issues and divorces that we have to navigate through. We have money issues where we're broke and we need God to come through in a big way. These are things that God cares about, but these are also opportunities that either Satan will take advantage to wedge us further away from God and, and erode our faith so that we no longer trust in him, or there are opportunities, like Jehoshaphat takes, that we can develop and grow and strengthen our faith in God. We can follow the battle plan to make sure that we resist the enemy, that we fight the actual battle in front of us while we're navigating the thing that we can see. And this battle plan shows us how we can give our enemy uh, a big ass whopping. I didn't, I didn't say, no, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a um, what, what do you call it when it's, it's ass whop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, yeah, I, I didn't say it. You guys thought I said it, but I didn't say, I feel bad for everyone that like got this clip and it's like the first thing they see in me. They're like, they're like this guy. Yeah, I've seen this before. No, no, no. I said we got to read it, we got to practice it, and we have to remember the battle plan. Come on, you'll remember this ass whopping for a long time. You, you do the ass whopping, but it's God who's going to do the defeating. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, I, told, I told Sherry, and she's like, you're really going to say that? I was like, yeah. No, no, no. All right, it makes way more sense if we go through it, if we go through it. First step, first step, you acknowledge the enemy. Right? Okay, again, again, people around you 
are selfish. They probably aren't trying to destroy you. They probably just don't care about you. They're just out to get theirs, right? You're probably not fighting other people. You're probably not fighting these circumstances you're in. What you're really fighting is for that connection between you and God. That's the most important thing that Jehoshaphat is showing us. It's not getting that job. It's not getting that extra money. It's not getting healed. It's not getting healthy. It's not any of these things, fixing broken relationships, getting forgiveness, having a better reputation, or fixing the justice in the world. Yes, those are all things we work toward, but our line of life that we're most connected to, that's most important is, are we connected with God? Are we seeing him? Is he responding to us? Satan wants to cut that out, isolate us, and extinguish us, destroy us. First, acknowledge the enemy. Recognize who it is. Like Jehoshaphat, ah, he was alarmed, right? It's, it's okay to be alarmed. Ah, this is dangerous. Yeah, and then what do you do? You seek the Lord with others. That's what, you, see, look, look. Jehoshaphat has just humility in spades, right? This army's coming. He could have privately said, you know what? I will seek the Lord, and once I have an answer, I will tell the people, you know? All right, I have heard from, no, 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 no. He says, this involves all of us. We're all going to seek the Lord together. When you have a battle that you're facing, where your life is on the line, bring others in. Bring your family into that. Bring your faith community that is also seeking God with the same passion and fervor as you into that. You don't have to bring everyone, the whole nation in. You're not the king. But bring in the people around you to seek God together. That's, that's humility, right? Because now you have to be vulnerable, just like Jehoshaphat. Well, aren't you the one that's supposed to have the answers? It's like, yeah, well, I don't. God does, right? It reminds all of us, yeah, you know what? We don't have it all together. We don't. But you know who does? God. That's why I'm going there. Come with me, you know? Next step, wait on the Lord. We are very action-oriented. We are very, well, what's the next step? What do I have to do? Let's accomplish this thing. Wait on the Lord. I love that picture of verse 13 with the men, the women, and the little ones, right? The children and the little ones, you know? And they're all just, we, our eyes are on you. Pause, you know? And then we hear from the Lord. Don't be in too much of a rush to get things done. Listen, wait on the Lord. Then obey God's word. Don't do it like Jehoshaphat's first battle plan in chapter 18. Actually obey his word. If he tells you, well, this is where to go, go. Wholeheartedly. Don't compromise. No, eh, yeah, okay. I mean, I know you want that, but is there anything else? You know, it's like, no, no, if he tells you, do it. That's, that's the best battle plan. And then, of course, praise all along the way. Right? I mean, that's where jumping Jehoshaphat comes from, right? He's just singing praise like all day long. Like, you heard the Lord, you praise him. You're about to obey him, you praise him. You praise him along the way while he's doing the work, and you praise him at the end when you celebrate what he's doing, right? You praise, it when, praise him when things are good, when things are bad, when you haven't seen him yet, when you're waiting on him, when you've seen him, when someone else has seen him. There's just praise all along the way. This is the battle plan, the best battle plan of the Bible. I, I really do want you to remember this because this is useful. Again, cool story. Cool story that you did this for Jehoshaphat. No, 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 no. This was written for us. You have things in your life that are difficult. You have an enemy trying to separate you from God to extinguish your faith, not just your faith, your life, right? This is useful. <laughs> remember it, right? Acknowledge the enemy. Seek the Lord with others. Wait on the Lord. Obey God's word and praise all along the way. This is how we fight our battles, right? This is how we can give a good ass whopping to the devil. <laughs> yeah, you can't say, uh, it's got to be an ah, you know, it's like the, the real short oh at the end. 
No, but look, it's not you doing the fighting, though. It's not you doing the, the battling. This is God. This is all trust in him and say, okay, God, you are the one. <laughs> you have the sovereignty. And, and guess what? Guess what? We don't have to just rely on the story of Jehoshaphat to know that God is good and God is faithful and God cares for us. We have the whole rest of the Bible, including a very important character called Jesus. <laughs> right? Like when we go to our battle plans, we, we love um, Romans chapter 8, where Paul says we are more than conquerors, right? Because that's talking about what will separate us. I, again, woo, we're going into sermon 3 here, right? What will separate us from God, right? Nothing will separate us. No, we are more than conquerors in him who loved us. Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, demonstrating his love for us, that's how we are conquerors. So if we want the best battle plan of the Bible. We don't need our strength. That won't do it for us. We don't, we don't just need Jehoshaphat or even his battle plan. What we need is Jesus. Ha. Ah, let's pray. Lord, may you fight our battles. We don't know what to do. In all these areas, you know every single thing in each one of our hearts, God. You see us right now. You know what we need. You know where we're feeling like, man, our backs are against the wall. We know where we feel destroyed. Lord, we know that the enemy would love to use these things in our life to drive a wedge between us and you so that we no longer hold on to you or you become less in our eyes. But we do not do that, God. No, we resist that temptation and we hold on to you because you are God, the God that loves us, the God that cares where power and might are in your hands. You are the only God of this world, and you have sovereignty, you have control, and you have power. So Lord, may you come. May you show up. May you be you in our lives, and may we see you. Give us the strength and courage to stand and wait on you, and the courage and the perseverance, the strength to follow you and obey. Lord, we commit to praising you all along the way, because you are good. You are our hope. You are the one that we hold on to, and we cannot wait to share in the spoils of victory so that the praise that we can sing will be praise for the things that you have done in our life and not just the expectation of what you will do. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for showing us that you do love us, that you do defeat death, that nothing can separate us from you, that you've already defeated our biggest enemy, Lord. We rest in you and your strength. You are God. We are not. So therefore, we look to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Excellent. All right, we've got discussion groups, though. Don't want to rob you of that chance. Three questions. First, what was your... Oh, I copy-pasted that from last week. I could care less what your word is for King Asa this week. What about Jehoshaphat? Actually, I just needed it to fit all in one line, so that's why I put no, one. <laughs> so what is your word for King Jehoshaphat? That's the first word. All right, number two, how is Jehoshaphat's prayer different from your normal prayers? Just find those differences. And then what step of ASWAP challenges you the most. So you're going to remember it though, you know? All right, take, uh, take uh, four minutes, five minutes, and then I'll come back up and I'll dismiss you guys at the end.